you know, there's things we can do with things we can do like with our uh, with our spouse. You know, like it, it, sometimes, uh, like when you're, you know, when there's like an apology or there's something going on like that. Um, sometimes we, uh, if we just uh, like buy things. I was talking a little bit ago about uh, there's an elderly couple in our church one time, and they uh, uh, the, the Somebody asked them, like, what is the secret to your marriage? You guys just, you just have a, you're just giddy all the time. You guys just seem like you just love each other so much. What are, what are some things you do in your marriage? And he said, every week, probably several times a week, he said, I buy her something. And he said, it may be a pack of gum. It may be like a little stuffed animal that, that's got batteries that, like, moves around and walks around and stuff. But, but, you know, here they were. They were probably, like, in their 80s, you know. And he would buy her something every week. You know, just to let her know that, hey, I love you. And she just she just loved that. That was the thing that just really spoke to her heart. And, and you know, we should be like that with our spouse, especially, you know, when there's when we're going through difficult times, willing to do things, you know, that show our spouse that we love them. Um, when we're when we're, there's like something going on that we've created an offense, you know, we need to be we need to ask forgiveness. We need to uh, verbalize it, you know, not through a text. Uh, um Somebody's. I read something. Somebody said, "If you can't text, can you FaceTime?" Uh, if if that is the last resort, but I, I think a face to face is 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 definitely no. It's not the same thing. <laughs> it is not the same thing. I think definitely face to face. I would, if at all possible, I would I would avoid any kind of technology between you and your spouse, especially when you're dealing with difficult situations. Okay. Um, when when you ask for forgiveness, when you're asking somebody to forgive you, you you're relinquishing. I hear got here. The request relinquishes your control and puts the future of the relationship in the hands of the other person. The response is one two things: they reject or, or uh, your request or, or or accept your request of forgiveness. Um, you know, hopefully you've not done so much damage in your relationship that is rejected. But uh, but I think you know. Sometimes we sometimes we may be in a situation, you know, couples that they just need biblical counseling. They need counseling. They need somebody else to step in and kind of give them some counseling to head, so they can grow back closer together. They can get the relationship back on track and back to a biblical marriage. Okay, now forgiveness. Let's go to your second page here. Is um, is forgiveness in our society? Is it is it uh, is it valued? Do you think? Do you think it's valued? It's not, is it? I think it's almost like discouraged, even. So it's it's not very. And so the question we ask ask is is forgiveness valued in our home? Is that a practice in our home? Is that something that we're that we do? I think a lot of times it's it's not. Maybe to the extent it needs to be, but as to have a Christian home, there needs to be a willingness uh, to for, to forgive. Uh, Luke. 15, it's kind of a demonstration of God's forgiveness for us, and we're going to look at that in a minute. But first, let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 43. And it says, You have heard that it was, that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay? Uh, one thing Jesus is doing here, he, he, he's... 
He's quoting scripture, but the Pharisees have added on, hate your enemy. If you go back uh, in the Old Testament, look at that quote, that hate your enemy part is not there. The Pharisees have added that on there. But he's saying, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Okay, and when we look at this here, and we look at that word love, can anybody tell me what that word love, what the Greek for that is? It's agape love, okay? Okay, so agape, it's, a, it's agape love. And we see that a lot of times in the New Testament. We're going to look at some more scriptures that have that. Agape love seeks the benevolence and goodwill of others. It seeks the benevolence and goodwill of others. It involves faithfulness, commitment, and it is, this is key right here, guys. It is an act of the will. It is an act of the will. I have the underline there. It's not, so many times our, we describe our emotions like love and those type of things. It's, it's based on emotions, okay? Uh, I would say most people out of church life would probably not under, have no concept of the word agape and what that word means, but it's an act of the will. Uh, it's a choice. It is a choice. Every day. Um, David Goo said, it is, it is a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expected repayment. It's not, some, it's not a love that, where you're, you're looking to get something in return. That's more of a, that, we'd call that a favor, wouldn't we? Okay? That, that's, not, that's not love. If you, like mentioned in John 3, 16, right? John, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave, exactly. Um, let's look at uh, Luke Let's look at Luke 9, I think it's 23 here. And like I say, this agape love is, is sacrificial. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It's talking about our relationship with Christ. And I, I know we're, this is a marriage conference. We're going to talk about our relationship with Christ too, though, because it it's really has a lot to do with our relationship with Christ. It says if we're going to follow Christ and follow Christ in His love, we have to deny self. And sometimes in our relationships, those that we love, we're not just talking about our spouse, but in our church, our workplace, uh, even what do we read back there in, in Matthew 5? Even our enemies were to love. That's the word gape used there, even with your enemies, even with those that persecute you. Now, something we've been hearing in marriage conferences on Wednesday nights, is your spouse your enemy? No. Your spouse is not your enemy. So if you're supposed to do it for your... Here, here's the thing that gets me sometimes. Sometimes we're... Um, when we read scripture and we think about ministry and we think about doing all these things, sometimes we think about what we do when we leave the house. We think about what we're going to do. Man, how can I reach that guy at church, man, or at work that I've been trying to witness to? How can I get? How can I reach him, man? And man, you're you're man, you're on it, man. You're like doing things for them and you're trying to show them the love of Christ and man you're just on it and then at church you come here man you got your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and man you're trying to love up on them and show them that you love them and, and all but man what about at home or, or, or do, do sometimes we talk to our spouse do we talk to people like in our workplace that way or even like people in church that way you know I mean how are we talking to each other how are we communicating with each other 
So sometimes I think when we look at Scripture, we're thinking more about those outside of our home. We need to think about those inside of our home as well. And that, that could be with you know, our spouse. Our, uh, it could be a parent-child uh, relationship. Uh, we need to think about how we talk to those in our home. Um, God, God is love. First John 4, 8 says God is love. God does not merely love. It is, it, he is love. It's in His nature. Uh, it, it is, uh, it is uh, does God love us because we deserve it? No. So, but that's an agape love, isn't it? He doesn't love us because we deserve it. That's the way we're supposed to love others. Not because they deserve it, because that's what God does. That's what God has done for us. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians thirteen four through seven, and I kind of I pitched some bullet points on here, uh, and, and you're familiar with this. It says love suffers long and is kind. It, it describes a man who has been legitimately wronged, and and easily has the power to avenge himself, but will not do it out of mercy or patience. He's been wrong. The the wrong is real, but he will not avenge him. Uh, seek vengeance. Out of, out of mercy, out of, out of grace, out, out of his love for the other. Okay, He is patient. He is patient and he is kind. Love does not envy. Uh, envy murdered Abel. Enslaved Joseph and put Jesus on the cross. If you go back to Matthew 27, 18, when Pilate's having that trial with Jesus, uh, he, he's asking, who do you want me to release, Barabbas or Jesus? Because he knew that they put Jesus in the, before him, put him on trial because they envied him. Envy, envy and love have nothing to do with each other. Okay, have nothing to do. When, when your spouse, when things are going good for your spouse, and, and man, maybe things are going great at work, and maybe for you, maybe they're not. You know, maybe they're, you know, getting promotions, and, and you know, you should be for that. You should, you should like celebrate that with them. There's not to have envy. Don't get, don't be envious of what the, what's going on with them. We should promote that. We should say, hey, I celebrate that with you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, um, love does not uh, parade itself. You know, love does not make a, a show. You don't make a show of what you're doing, okay? Love is okay to be anonymous, okay, to do things anonymously. Uh, love is not focused on self, but rather the needs of others. Love does not behave rudely, like it speaks of our kindness toward others. Love does not seek its own. Um, it, and if you look at like a Philippians, we're not going to go there, but like Philippians, if you look at Philippians, you see the oneness in the church. Hey, is, is your spouse part of the church? Yeah. So there's a oneness there. Love is not provoked. Moses was provoked. Remember when he hit the rock? He was annoyed by the people and he became angry and he hit the rock. Uh, and, and because of that, God said, that's the, I told you to speak to the rock, not hit the rock. And because, but he did it out of because he was annoyed by the people, and so he he sinned. He didn't do exactly what God told him to do. And you know what? That that it goes along that love is not provoked. Okay, um, love thinks thinks no evil. What does that mean? Thinks no evil. Uh, keeping keeping a, a an account over here. Oh yeah, she did that. Maybe not here on paper, but even in your mind. You know? Oh yeah, I remember what he did. Yeah, I remember. You know, keep an account. It, you know, it's a, it's a love thinks no evil, thinking evil. And you know what? When we when we do that, do we not like replay things? When we've been wrong and there's been an offense, 
it, as long as we withhold forgiveness, do we not keep playing that offense over and over and over in our head? And we play it out again and again. And you know what happens? That, that replay of that event, it becomes distorted. And it's, it becomes to a place, it's not even really what happened. I'm not saying there's not an offense there, but sometimes we kind of add to it because it just, it's our human nature. Make a mountain out of a molehill. We make a mountain out of a molehill. And you know, we just keep playing. And so we play it and it becomes bigger, bigger and bigger. And then we start to get bitter. We start to get bitter. Um, Ephesians, let's look at Ephesians 2, 4, 4 through 7. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. And, and think about this. Th these are some examples of, of uh, a God's agape love. Okay, we're thinking about agape love. Okay, a, an act of the will. Okay, but God who is rich in mercy. Man, aren't you glad he just, just doesn't offer mercy? He is rich in mercy. It means there's plenty of it because of his great love. Look at the adjectives here. His great love with which he loved us. Even when, in, even when we were dead in trespass, okay, even when we were enemy with him, when we were lost and, you know, and, and, and say things and, and things that were so displeasing of, uh, of him. And even then, even then he had that agape love. Shouldn't we have agape love even to those who are not, you know, we're not in like good relationship with? We, we should still love them. Uh, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places, places in Christ Jesus. Man, we should, we should be excited about that. That in ages to come that he might show exceedingly, exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. Man, hadn't God been kind to you? Not, not just in the, the physical things and the, and the truck you got in the driveway or the nice car. Not, we're not talking about those things. But man, look at what you have that you didn't have before you came to Christ. Look at what you have. Look at the Word of God that He has given us. Now, even a lost person may have the Word of God, but you know what they don't have? They don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to help them to, to understand, to grasp what it's saying. It's foolishness to them. And so God has richly blessed us, His kindness toward us. Uh, Romans 5, 8. Let's go there. Romans 5, 8. And it says, But God demonstrates His agape love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we just talked about. He died for us even when we were still sinners. Let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians. I know I'm flying here, guy, and we're going through a lot, but we got another page to go through, right? Uh, laughing at me. Uh, <laughs> Romans 10, you talk fast. Uh, Romans 10, let's look at 14 here. I, I, I love this text right here, guys. Uh, this is awesome. It's, uh, it says in verse 14, we'll go all the way through. We'll go, we'll go 14, 15, then we'll skip down to 18. For we are not uh, over, uh, overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. Am I right here? Huh? Huh? 2 Corinthians 10.14. Uh, 
Yeah, but I don't think I'm, I think I'm wrong. Let me, let me read what I have here because this is not, this is not, it might be 1 Corinthians. I might have just typed it wrong. It says, For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died, then all died, and he died for all. Now this is what I'm going to get to. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. There's two things I want, to, I want to get from this here. That those who live should no longer live to themselves. What's that mean? We're no longer living to ourselves. Who are we living for? What? Huh? God. Look, look, think about what Paul says in many of his epistles. He's, he's saying, uh, he introduces himself as Paul, a bondservant. What's a bondservant? It's a slave, isn't it? If a slave, if you, if if someone's a slave and their master tells them to do this or do that, do they do it? Yeah. If they said do this or do that the way I'm telling you to do it, do they do it the way they tell them to do it? Who who are you a bond servant to? Christ, huh? To the Lord. Yeah, to the Lord. Not not just what what about? Yeah, but what about our emotions? Are we driven sometimes by our emotions? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We see it everywhere now, don't we? I mean, it's like, woo, it, what used to be hidden is coming out of the woodwork. So, like, sometimes we're driven by our emotions. We shouldn't be driven by our emotions because our, our Lord, our Lord does not direct us to be so. He wants, to, we, we should be driven by the gospel. We should be driven by His command, by His word. Because you know what? He purchased me. He bought me. He bought me off the auction block. And he redeemed me. He reconciled me with with God because of the sacrifice of the Son, right? And, and, and now it says, God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us what? The ministry of reconciliation. When we're when there's something, a division in our marriage, we need to <laughs> both, both of us as believers, need to be about reconciling our relationship with our spouse. 2 Corinthians 5.19. 5.19. Okay, I got 10. So w- w- he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay. Um, Matthew 18. See, I knew I should have got Tammy to proofread all that. Uh, <laughs> then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? You notice how he asked the question and then he answers his question. Here, here's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees' rule was, hey, if you, give, you forgive them three times. That was the Pharisees' rule. And so Peter, he said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and answer that. And I'm going to up it from the Pharisees. I'm going to go all the way, all the way up to seven. And Jesus is going to go... That's good. I like it. That's good. Let's go with that. Because that's the perfect number. Man, they, he's going to get, Jesus is going to give him a, man, a pat on the back. God's good. Is that what Jesus does? No, he doesn't. He, let's see what he does. <laughs> times seven. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom is heaven is like a certain king. Uh, what time is it? Oh, I got time. Okay. So I, I want to read this because this this is a this is a picture of really um, a forgiveness, but then unforgiveness. Okay, 
we're going to see what happens in the first part of this story. What God is, it's really a good picture of what God has done for us. Okay. It says, just it, um, let's see, therefore, in verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Um, let me, let me just say this, 10,000 ta talents, let's, let's put that in perspective here, how much money we're talking about. 10,000 talents would be equal to 17 years wages. 17 years, is 17 years wages a lot? That's a lot of money, right? I think it's more than that. I'm not, silver. I'm not, yeah. Seventeen years wages for ten thousand men. Hell yeah. Seventeen years wages for ten thousand men. That's a lot. It's it's unpayable. It's undoable. You, you can't do it. You just can't do it. Can you can you pay for your sins? You can't do it, can you? You can't do it. But as he was. But he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and, and, and that payment be made. You know what? If I didn't have Christ, if we didn't have Christ in our home, what would it not just mean to us? What would it mean to our kids? What would it mean to our kids? Because, man, I, I, nothing hurts me more than think about you know the friends that I have who's raising kids in a home that's, man, without Christ. You know? It's not just, doesn't just affect me. It doesn't just affect her. It affects our whole family. The servant therefore fell down and begged him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will repay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave the debt. I mean, he forgave it. He didn't say, you know what, I'm going to give you an extension. I'm going to let you pay a portion of it. No, he wiped the slate clean. He wiped the slate clean and said, your, your debt is forgiven. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Okay, and that's um, uh, a denarii is, I think it's like so many days wages. It's not like a, it's not, not, nothing amount like what this guy owed, okay? And, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down. His fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, and he said the exact same words, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would, he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done to him. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you, because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Here's the thing, guys. If we've been forgiven for what we've been forgiven for and Christ has wiped the slate clean, should we not be willing to forgive our spouse and wipe the slate clean? And not not to keep a not to think evil or to keep a record of it, but we just wipe the slate clean and, and put it in the past. Because see, if, as long as you hold on to that, you got bitter. You get bitter and that grows. It grows into hatred, then it grows into to, to vengeance. And you know what? Then you have a real battle on your hands. Otherwise you can forgive 
And you know what? Live in peace and harmony and raise your family. Um, let's look at... Um, this is, this is a real picture, really, though, of what Christ has done for us, but, but also what we're supposed to do to others, for others as well. Um, when, when, we're, when we're forgiving, we are most Christ-like when we're forgiving. But we're most like God. When we talk about our relationship with God, we talk about what God has done. It didn't forgive us like it's, that's the main thing, right? He's forgiven us of our sins. So when we're forgiving, we're most like God. But it seems like in a lot of times, especially in our culture today, forgiveness is not a very common thing. Okay, Let's go to Ephesians 4 and 31 and 32. We may back up a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. Let me get there. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. And here's that bitterness. We just talked about bitterness. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speeding be put away from you with all malice. Okay? Think, think about these things that's just being said. The bitterness, wrath, anger. Are those pleasantries? Are those, is it nice to have those things in your heart and in your mind and think about those things all day? It's really not, is it? Man, it would just eat, eat away at you. I mean, well, if you let it, and if we focus on that, if we let it, man, it will consume your day. Day after day after day, it will consume you. Consume your thought life. It will consume your relationships. But let's look at look at what uh, verse 32. Here's this transition here. It says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, what? Forgiving. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Man, isn't that a lot better place to be? We want that. We want that from others, right? Uh, it, man, if you, uh, you know, if you tear up somebody's, Let's say you tear up somebody's property and it's, you know, it was something at work. And, and man, isn't it nice when they come say, hey, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Isn't that preferred? Should, shouldn't we, they forgive you your debt? They forgive you what you, what you messed up? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we forgive? Shouldn't we let that go? Should, isn't it, we want it. We want it when we need to be forgiven. Why should we not give it when, when we have opportunity to forgive others especially uh, our spouse um, uh, so so the 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 um, being kind to one another tend to heart that's what we're striving for here uh, the struggle I heard Elizabeth I listened to Elizabeth uh, Tammy sent me Elizabeth um, Elliot podcast she's talking about uh, forgiveness she's talking about some people say well I'm and I had somebody at work tell me this this week they said I'm really struggling with forgiving somebody can you give me something because I told them I was teaching on this they said, I'm really struggling with that right now I'm struggling to forgive. Elizabeth Elliot says, let's just put that in other words, you're just delaying obedience. You're delaying obedience. What, what, what do we say back there? Um, what's agape love? It's an act of the will. Sometimes don't you, you're just like, you know what, I know this is the right thing to do. I'm having a hard time doing it though. I'm just really having a hard time doing it. I know it's the right thing. This is the way I feel about this person, and that's not right, and I know it's not right. But we see, we're we're letting our emotions lead us, and so um, we, we need to get past that. Second uh, Corinthians, here's Second Corinthians ten four five says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in in God for pulling down strong, strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that is all itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity 
to the obedience of God. You get that? Bringing every thought, when you have a thought of, of vengeance, of uh, a strife, of, uh, you know, against some anger, bringing those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does Christ say do? He says, get rid of it. Put it away. Okay? That's an act of the will. That's not based on your emotions. That is an act of the will. All right, now let's look at, let's go back to that Luke. We're going to get ready to wrap it up here. Luke 15. It does. I'll let Tony teach on that next time. Did you, oh. He's doing this, she's got a problem, and she just keeps dwelling on it, and keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, to the point to where she said, all these little women are coming up to me telling me that they're going to quit coloring their hair. Do you think they're trying to tell me I shouldn't color my hair anymore? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, they're your friends. Like, it's okay. Like, but I said, you need to think be. on whatsoever things are true. Like, it, like they're, not, they're not your enemy. Right, they're, your they're not your enemy. And that's the way we should learn. Our, our spouse is not our enemy. Think on good things. All right, uh, Luke 15, 11. This is Jesus talking. He said, uh, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a portion, one-third, of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose, there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his fields to feed swine. How did Jews feel about swine at this time? Or well, at any time, really, but not, you didn't... You, Good choice of words was not kosher. Um, he would gladly have filled his stomach with paws that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. We don't know what time had passed here, but you know what? I kind of I think about, and this I'm going to use my imagination a little bit. As Stoney said, you know, I just wonder how much time had passed. You know, was it months? Was it years? We don't know. He squandered all his money, but you know, I think as that dad at home, you know, how many times he just wondered. I wonder how he's doing. Wonder how he's doing. You know, wonder if he's wonder if he's got a place to sleep. Wonder if he's wonder if he's fed. Wonder if he's hungry. You know, wonder if he's got water. Wonder if he's got friends. You know, wonder if he still has money. Wonder if he's got a job. You know, he probably thought about him. It says when he came to himself, he said, "And don't you let's let's count, okay?" He said, "How many of my father's hired servants uh, have bread enough to to?" bread enough and to spare, and I perish in hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, one, I will say to him, one, Father, I have sinned against you, two, uh, uh, against heaven and before you. Two, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Three, make me like one of your hired servants. Three things he said to him, right? Okay. He's going to say, this is, he's planning this out. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to confess. I'm, going to, I'm sorry, man. I mean, I have messed up bad. I have done my father wrong. I've sinned against him. I've, I've sinned against heaven. And he arose and came to his father, and he was still a great way off. And I think about that, and I think, you know, you ever, when somebody's a great way off, sometimes you really can't tell who it is. But, man, you know their gate. You know that walk. And you're like, and I just wonder if that father looked and saw him and said, that's him. That's him. 
It says that when the father rose, when he rose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to his father, One, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Two, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to us, Wait a minute, what happened to three? He stopped him. He stopped him. Forgave him. And isn't forgiveness sweet? Isn't it good to be on the end of forgiveness that when somebody has forgiven you, when God's forgave you, man, are we not more like Christ when we're forgiving others? We're forgiving, our, whether it's our spouse or whoever it is, when we're forgiving, you're more like Christ at that time than any other time. And that's what, that's what Christ is saying here. I believe He stopped him. I believe He stopped him. Let's look at Romans 5. Romans 5, 5. You say, this agape love that you're talking about, though, I really have, I cannot get past this. Somebody has done this thing. I just can't get past it. I can't, I just can't forgive. It says in, in, in Romans 5, 5, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Who's given to you? The Holy Spirit's been given to you. You know what? You cannot have agape love if you do not have the Holy Spirit. This whole forgiveness with your spouse, it has as much to do about your relationship with God as it does anything. More. More. Because it's about having that agape love. Understanding the agape love, the agape love that He has for you and the agape love that we need to have toward our spouse. We need to have agape love. I, I encourage you to take that verse and go back and look at it and read it. We, we, can, we cannot have agape love without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We cannot have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit unless we repent of our sins and we've asked God to forgive us of our sins and come in and, and live in our heart and to be our Lord, to be our Lord and Savior, okay? Uh, to, be our, to be our master, okay? We're, we're putting ourselves in a place of a bondservant uh, to God. Elizabeth A. put this on here in, in, the, in the block. And I should have put her name here. Not, I didn't. Uh, but it says, in prayer, acknowledge the wrong that has been done to you. In prayer. Okay? Uh, lay down your rights. Okay? Lay down your rights. Uh, what, shall you, uh, what shall you do to and for the one who has wronged you? Uh, if he or she asks forgiveness, forgive them. If uh, he or she doesn't, Forgive him before God. If someone, you say, well, what if somebody has wronged me? There's offense been done to me, uh, and they've not asked me. They don't even want forgiveness. Okay, you go to God in prayer and you forgive them in prayer. Okay, you forgive them in prayer. Uh, pray for them. Okay, pray for them. And here's the hard one, guys. Ask for grace to treat them as if nothing had ever happened. Can you think of maybe a a, a family member maybe that's you know, wronged you or whatever, and, and you know, um, there's, there's a, maybe a dispute in the family sometimes. And, man, when the family reunion comes down, you don't even want to go because you got something in your heart against that person. You know what? We, we need to make that right. If possible, we need to make that right. But if we can't get that right, we need to pray for them. We need to pray God continue to help us to, to show love. But we need to ask God for the grace to... to to act as if nothing has ever happened. I heard a story of uh, Corey Tim Boone who was in a concentration camp uh, during uh, World War II held by the Germans. 
and uh, after the war was over and she was speaking at a church, she saw at the end of her speech, she probably, she might have saw him before her speech, or her talk was over, but she saw coming down the aisle a guard in the concentration camp and he was responsible for her sister starving to death. And she saw him coming down the aisle and as he was coming down the aisle, he was holding his hand out to, to shake her hand. And she said, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And when he got to her, she, her hand went out. God gave her the grace at the right moment to shake his hand. And she did. And come find out he had become a Christian and they were brother and sister in Christ. And she recognized that and she forgave him. That's a pretty big, that's a pretty big offense. But, but she forgave him. As important as your relationship with, is with your spouse, your willingness or unwillingness to, to forgive, forgive has more to do with your relationship with Christ. If you study this and you go back and study this, the agape love, it, it can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not in your nature to have that kind of love. It is, you can only have that kind of love through the power of God. Anybody have anything to add? Any questions or any comments? I think grace is kind of like manna in the wilderness. You think there's, like Corey Timbo, there's no way I can do that. There's a, but God gives you that grace in that moment. It's not like you have all the grace all the time, you know, you, or you try to store it up. Right, ten. You know, like God, God gave them manna every single day for what they needed that day. No, it's nasty. You just have to get what you get for the day. That's good. Anybody have anything else? Everybody good? All right, let's close them. We go to. Okay. Okay. Heavenly Father God, we thank you, God, for just opportunity to gather together, Lord. We thank you, God, for the word that you've given us, Lord, to, to study and, and to learn. And, and uh, I thank God for brother, brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. We can come together and, and talk about these things and, and learn from each other, God, and, and to fellowship with, to lean on each other, to uh, pray for each other. And, and uh, God, you have blessed us richly, Lord, with uh, uh, not just the material things, God, but the, uh, just your word, God, feeding us and shaping our, our minds and, and to be more like you, God. Uh, the transformation, Lord, that you make in our lives, Lord. We are so thankful for that, Lord. We pray, God, you'd help us to be a, a light in the world, Lord, we go out to each week and, and uh, help us to be a witness to those that we come in contact with. I uh, just pray, God, you'd help us to build strong marriages, God, in our church, and that through those you would be glorified and, and, and all that. And just we just thank you for all these things. In your name we pray. Amen.